and I, I used to worry that people would think, oh, I, I thought she was going to immediately go into politics, right? And I'm like, well, now I reflect and I look and I think the impact I've been able to have with music at events across the country now through the screen has been, you know, just as great as what I wanted to do with politics in this moment. Hello, and welcome to Agnes Scott College's new podcast, Journeys to Leadership, where we will explore the paths of inspiring women leaders from around the globe. I'm Leo Kadia Zak, president of Agnes Scott and the host of this podcast. I hope that through these stories, you, our leaders of today and tomorrow, will not only be encouraged by our guests, but will also be inspired to take the next step in your own journey. Born and raised in Georgia, today's guest is the embodiment of leadership. She is a singer, musician, writer, rapper, spoken word artist, aspiring attorney, and that's only the beginning. She holds a BA in political science from Agnes Scott College and an AS in criminal justice from Georgia State University. Through her music and community work, she continuously engages her passion for public service. She currently serves as co-founder and director of We Collective, an organization that strives to uplift the voices of people of color as they build community with one another. She served as the deputy finance director for Carolyn for Congress, as well as an intern for Representative Hank Johnson in Washington, D.C., through her fellowship with the Muslim Public Affairs Council. Amira has partnered with the artist Sierra and her new clothing line, Human Nation. Most recently, our guest was the first hijabi woman to receive a golden ticket on the American Idol. As an artist, Amira uses her singing, rap, and poetry to inspire and empower those fighting for social justice causes. Using her creativity, she empowers diverse groups of people to achieve their goals. She performs on the physical and virtual stages all around the world and is currently working on and releasing her own music as well as her first book of poetry. Also known as Amira Unplugged in social media, please join me in welcoming the incomparable Amira Doherty. Hello, Amira. Hi, President Zach. We are so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to be back. On Journeys to Leadership, we want to talk about the journey of how you got to where you are today. The ups, the downs, the surprises, all of it. Well, as much as we can fit into this time. So let's begin. Tell me, where did you grow up and what was that like? So I grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia, but I always say I grew up on like the cusp of Stone Mountain and Clarkston, Georgia. And the reason I emphasize that is because Clarkston is known as like the Ellis Island of the South. So there are over 170 countries represented within a one square mile radius. There are a multitude of languages, houses of worship. Um, and that really influenced me growing up in all of these different intersections of identity as a Muslim, a black woman, you know, someone who's living with, you know, the disability with hearing impairment, just seeing all of these different people congregating in this same space. And I think that that's what really has inspired my work in public service and music, just to kind of continue being a connector for different kinds of people. Well, it doesn't surprise me with that background that you decided to go to Agnes Scott College, um, yes. which focuses on global learning. 
But tell me a little more about this interest in art and politics and how they fit together. Absolutely. So um, growing up, I was always surrounded by art, right? My mom is an artist and writer. My dad is an artist and writer as well. And they've always been very passionate about encouraging my sister and me to pursue creativity in some way in our lives, right? That feeds everything that we do in the world. And so um, I can't draw. That is my thing. I can't draw. My sister is the sculptor, the artist, all that stuff. Um, I have always loved to sing though. I remember, you know, interestingly enough, um, my first memory of singing was actually in front of people was when I was in preschool and we had just watched the Rugrats movie. And there was a song in there called I Want a Mom that was talking about a child who had lost their mother, right? Um, and I, you know, I'm blessed. I have my both of my parents, but I connected with that message and like empathized so much with that character. I started singing the song after the movie and all of the little kids like started coming around and listening. And I think from that experience, um, two things happened. One, I, I, I recognized that there's so much empathy to be had in music and art that my parents had always tried to instill in, in us um, to understand. And two, I enjoyed singing for people and it didn't make me particularly scared. Um, and so from there, my dad really started working with me a lot on just understanding music from around the world and really appreciating it and, of course, singing itself. So did you realize you had this talent yourself or was it others reinforcing it and encouraging you to use it? I think so, you know, I can't remember much further back than being four, but I, my dad always tells me that, you know, we used to sing back and forth when I was little. And so it was always something that I enjoyed, but I don't think I really recognized it as something that, that people liked and even, you know, wanted until I was singing in front of people um, at the, in that scenario. Well, you have so many different talents and you've done so many different things. Where do you see yourself going in the future? And what is the connection between art and politics? Well, first, thank you. Um, and second, you know, I I want to have a multifaceted career. I want to have um, a lot of different experiences in life. I don't believe that I'll ever be sitting and doing one thing for that long. Um, not to say I don't have focus on all of these things, but there's too many passions and too little time, right? And so um, I do want to pursue music. I want to pursue my art. Um, and I also want to continue the pathway of running for office um, and pursuing law or being someone who is working on those campaigns, working in those movements uh, to disseminate that information to the people of color in particular and people in lower socioeconomic backgrounds who need it. And I think that the beautiful bridge between art and politics is that art is the language of the people. It's what we respond to intrinsically when political jargon becomes you know, too much for us to handle. So if you put it in a song, if you put it in a rap, if you help people understand in some way that connects to their heart, I think it makes them have more passion for them, their own rights and for others' rights. You talked about growing up in Stone Mountain and how that influenced you about the diverse community. Um, you also have grown up an African-American Muslim. Are there times that you felt that there have been impediments, that things have stood in your way, 
or that people have put obstacles in your way because of that. Unfortunately, even growing up in a diverse area, there's still definitely stigma, particularly when I started wearing hijab. I started wearing hijab around nine. I like begged my parents to wear it. I was like, please let me try it. And I remember walking into the classroom and people who I was so close to um, suddenly were asking me questions like, are you a terrorist? And you know, is your dad making you wear that? Just all these things. And I, I think um, there was this one period um, of time when I was going through this avalanche of change, right? I had this skin um, disease at the time. I had lost my hearing in my left ear. And then I started wearing a hijab at the same time. And so it became this whirlwind of othering that I was trying to understand, um, especially always having been someone who wanted to include people. But I think that that ended up helping me, you know, change things for the better, ultimately. Did anyone help you with that process of overcoming those obstacles? Or in the future, as you bumped into other obstacles, have there been people who have reached out? Or has it been really you that have had to deal with this? Well, first, my family is my backbone. Like, every time, you know, I've gone through some bullying experience or have been denied something on the basis of identity, you know, my family has been there to rebuild me and help me, you know, remember what my purpose is and remember to, you know, have faith and plow forward. Um, And then that helped me become more intrinsically motivated to try to give that power and that, that stance of confidence to others. So I remember in, uh, when was it? it? I believe it was fourth grade. I had established um, my school's No Place for Hate, right, with the Anti-Defamation League and was able to, you know, be the youth ambassador, the kitty ambassador, whatever they want to call it, for my school. And I found that doing something made me feel more powerful myself. And I wanted other people to feel that too. Have you had the experience of a mentor as you have gone through various things, whether it's your education. You clearly started as an advocate um, at a very young age. Um, Have people reached out to you and helped you? Clearly, you mentioned your family, but have others reached out? Absolutely. You know, I think that the, uh, the educators and administrators in my life have been the people who, you know, have played that role, right? I've, I've found community, you know, in that, in those conversations. Um, I, I like to talk about um, a couple of people. My third grade teacher, Miss Gale, she introduced me to an organization called 4-H, which I ended up being in my whole life, basically, um, that helped me find mentors, like another great mentor of mine, Miss Trice, who like ensured that people in my community and people who like look like me and believe like me had opportunities like everyone else across Georgia um, and had, you know, a chance to compete at higher levels, to travel and things like that. Um, And then of course, coming um, all the way through high school, I had mentors like my professor, Professor Butler, who really, you know, tried to take me under my, his, his wing in, you know, mock trial and different things like that. And then finally coming to Agnes Scott, just, a whole slew of mentors, including you, like everyone just, I just felt enveloped in support my entire time there. Well, thank you. And I have to say, we've learned so much from you as well. And you've given back so much back to the Agnes Scott community. We are so grateful. 
Um, you always seem so strong, so in control. Um, you have so much talent. I know people want to know, have you ever had doubt? Have you ever questioned yourself? I think especially being someone who has had all of these different dreams and these different aspirations, you know, you there's first off, there's imposter syndrome, right? Which I learned very quickly at a young age that I, I suffered from and I had to try to mask and deal with. Um, and then there's, you know, the idea of letting people down. The idea that if I'm not pursuing this pathway right now with the people who needed that or wanted that from me, you know, feel like I'm giving up on that portion. I'm like, no, I'm just saving it for later. And I think that I really have had to learn, you know, I don't have to apologize for what I'm pursuing in this moment, right? When I left school, when I left Agnes Scott, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a year off, work in politics, and then I'm going to go to law school right after. And then COVID-19 happened. And I thought there's no way I'm doing virtual law school. So I, I pursued my music in earnest, um, which was something I'd always wanted. And now it's turning into something um, that I th that's bigger than I thought it could have been. And I, I used to worry that people would think, oh, I, I thought she was going to immediately go into politics, right? And I'm like, well, now I reflect and I look and I think, the impact I've been able to have with music at events across the country now through the screen has been, you know, just as great as what I wanted to do with politics in this moment. It's a wonderful message to so many that it's okay to do something different than what you thought you were originally going to do, that you can change paths and still have the same goal. Um, what are some of the goals? What are some of the things that you want to achieve? Oh, ooh. <laughs> I, um, you know, my life, I feel really, you know, like humbled in reflecting on the firsts I've had to be, right? The first of a lot of different positions and whether that's just being someone's first Muslim friend to, you know, running for offices and occupying that space and, and leading by example. So I think that I want to continue that pathway so that we don't have to say the first anymore, right? It does. It's not so scary and daunting for the next person. So whether that's running for Congress in my area, or you know, winning a Grammy, you know, the, like um, being on an on-screen role where I am not expected to take my hijab off in order to be viewed as relatable or likable by the audience, um, just changing the perceptions of people living in different intersections of identity. That is a tall order. And again, as I mentioned, you're involved in so many different things. I know people want to know, do you ever get exhausted? Mm. And what do you do about that? I used to get kind of tired, but I think that a lot of my energy comes from being around people. And so I've been more exhausted in this time than I was when I was running ragged all of the time because all of my interactions are virtual. Um, and so when I have an exhausting moment, I, I've had to learn to give myself permission to take a break, to rent a cartoon movie and get some ice cream, some, uh, like as Stacey Abrams said, when she came to the campus, get some your favorite Ben and Jerry's and just live it up for a couple of hours because 
you know, I, I think that we're in a system, especially in our country, right, where we are expected to work, work, work all of the time. And if you're not working, it feels like you're slacking off, but human beings need rest. Well, I've been going to say that ice cream solves all problems, so I absolutely (laughs) agree with you on that. Um, As you've you've been reflecting, especially during this time, is there anything that has surprised you about yourself? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. I think think that I adjust to things a lot more quickly than I thought I would, um, which makes me happy. I'm excited to do things that ground me, right? Because I think that when something goes over well or, you know, something pops off, you know, as everybody said, you know, it's easy to get the big head, right? But if you think about, you know, everybody who's trying to lift you up and support you and remain in like a humble space and live in like that that kind of space of gratitude, I think that that makes everything a lot more enjoyable. So I've been happy to learn that that's something I'm, I'm capable of and firmly believe in practicing. Are there things, words of wisdom um, that you would impart to others um, to, in, to inspire them to say, you know, this is what I've done. You know, this is what I would encourage you to learn from. You know, there's something, um, and I always quote my dad, you know, um, I quote him a lot in, in interviews and <laughs> because there is something that has stuck with me for so many years when I was a little kid and I used to get nervous in singing competitions, he reminded me, everybody wants to see you win, right? Even if they're competing with you, even if they're in the same field as you, no one wants to see you fall flat on your face. So give them what they want. And that has stuck with me regardless of if it's music or, or politics or giving a speech, anything else. People ultimately want to see other people do well because there's more good people than bad. So don't get super nervous when you're in front of people or on a stage or even, you know, just reading something out to your class because other people want to see you shine too, even if they're not saying it out loud. Those are incredible words of wisdom. I have to ask you is what do you wish you knew when you graduated from Agnes Scott? Oh, I think I wish I knew that I wouldn't, you know, be immediately going on this very, you know, straight laced pathway into school um, I think that, uh, what, what changed my mind about, um, jumping right into law school was the last three months that I was at Agnes and I was really reflect, cause you know, I had, a, I had a condensed time there since I, I came in with a degree already. And so I, you know, had just been so tunnel vision, but my mentors on campus, like another one, I want to shout out Leanna, of course, uh, wonderful in the CSI department you know, was just reminding me, you know, experience life and, you know, enjoy the things that you, you want to try. And I think that I, I realized I had been in school so long, I hadn't been living outside, you know. Um, and so I, I wish I could go back now and say, hey, you're going to try something different. It, it seems like it's going to work out. So just trust yourself. <laughs> well, we clearly trust you. There's no question about <laughs> that. What are your plans for the future? I mean, what are your future projects, future ventures? Can you share a little with us? Absolutely. So I'm working on an album right now I'm really excited about. Um, I have a secret project. I can't can't say who it's with, but there is a a group that I'm um, doing a collaboration with that I'm really excited about. 
Um, I'm currently working on releasing a, a book of poetry and essays with my sister. Um, and we're going to be revamping um, We Collective to be more um, uh, art-centered um, as opposed to um, like all of these different fields. So there's a lot going on. Um, there's some interviews that'll be coming out soon with some, like I, it, I'm just really excited um, because what's happening in the near future um, has me hopeful for what happens down the road. Well, this has been such a wonderful time together, and you have served as such an inspiration on campus, but also are serving as an inspiration right now to our listeners. I wonder if you'd like to share a little bit of your talent with us, um, either a little bit of your voice, a little bit of rap, spoken word, whatever you might choose. I, ha I actually wrote something last night that I was um I, that I'm going to be recording later so it's a, it's a spoken word piece and so um you all can have a preview <laughs> so it's speaking on the importance of breathing for the black community right our breath is so precious and is constantly you know being taken away from us and so um it's called breathe by any means we float Buoyed by the shallow sips of sky snuck between bated breaths till we reach land free, knowing not to inhale greedily till that moment, for the most important thing right now is to survive. Our foremothers and forefathers equipped us with one rule before placing us in the proverbial baskets, praying we would heed and outlive them. They told us to breathe by any means, left the end in ellipses so that we could eclipse these moments of self-doubt with our instincts. We shall breathe by any means possible, capture oxygen between cupped hands and swallow it if we must, imaginable, tap into the same right brain that developed calls to railroads underground in song and necessary because we are necessary our breath tempered or no is precious passed down to us as the gift that propels our minds our bodies our voices remember black don't crack but breath broken is fatal so breathe by any means oh my gosh anera that is so moving thank oh thank you so much for sharing that with us and I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, keep being amazing. We love you. You are really awesome. And to our listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed and today and been inspired. I'm sure you have. And I want to thank you all for joining us. I also want to thank our producer, Sydney Perry, for making this podcast possible. I'm Leo Katie Zak, and this is Journeys to Leadership. Looking for more content? Check out Leading Everywhere, the Agnes Scott College podcast, a show that shares the stories of the campus community students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.